This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Tonight I want to talk to you about the wilderness and a message that I'm calling Worship in Your Wilderness. I believe many of you are here tonight, and even those of you that are watching online, we greet you in Jesus' name. But many of you have been living in a time of wilderness, and the Lord is about to bring you out. Before he can do that, before the Lord can bring you through your wilderness, he needs you to learn what he wants you to do in your wilderness. He wants you to understand the purpose that you've been waiting so long. To begin, I want to ask the question, what is the wilderness? What is it? Biblically speaking, the wilderness is a place, a time, and a season of great testing, preparation, molding, and yes, loneliness. Unfortunately, and in many ways, we have come to look down upon God's usage of the wilderness because number one, we don't understand it. We don't always understand the wilderness. Much of our struggle is to discern and to understand what God is often up to within our lives. Would you guys agree with that? I would say that much of our struggle to understand what God is up to in our lives comes from our lack of understanding how God uses the wilderness. We don't always understand how God uses it as a place and as a time and as a season to test us. Anybody felt tested lately? Come on, 2020 was like the ultimate year of testing, was it not? He uses it to prepare us. How many of you guys know that over the past couple of weeks we've been talking about getting ready? We've been talking about living in a state of preparedness. He uses it to mold us. And to mold us into what? Into his image and likeness. Listen to what the scriptures say in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. It says this, For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he, who? Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. Part of how God conforms you to the image of Jesus is through the wilderness. It's through a time of testing and preparation and molding and loneliness. Let's just consider the life of Jesus. Jesus came on the scene at the age of roughly around 33. He was baptized by John the baptizer in the Jordan River. And what happened in that moment? Well, if you've read your scriptures, you know. The Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove and the heavens open up and God says, Behold, this is my beloved son, Yeshua, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, we get this first part of the message right. We run out and tell everybody, hey, everybody, God loves you. He's for you. You're his beloved. And he wants to affirm you as his child, as his son and daughter, right? We emphasize a lot of our work and focus as the church and telling people that. But I would wager that we don't always do a great job preparing them for the wilderness to come. Because right after that moment, right after Jesus, as the Son of God, both God and fully man, was baptized in the Spirit, where was he led? 
he was led out into the wilderness, into a time, a season, and a place of great testing, preparation, molding, and loneliness. And it was, he, it was there where Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days. You guys remember the story, right? And so what we tell people about when they come to Christ is your life's going to be great. You're going to be full of the, the oil of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be full of the joy of the Lord. You're going to have peace that you never had before. You're going to walk in love and forgiveness. And all of those things are true. Every single one of those things are true. But we don't always tell them about the wilderness that follows, do we? We need to start telling people the whole truth, not just partial truths. Because the whole truth is this. In order for you and I to become who God has chosen and predestined us to be, we are going to have to spend some time in a wilderness. If you thought you were going to get some kind of self-help message here tonight, I'm sorry to disappoint you. The second reason that we've come to look down upon the wilderness is because, number two, we think that God must have abandoned us there. We think that God's left us all alone in our suffering and in our trials and in our testing. But I'm here tonight as your pastor to tell you this, you're not alone. You might feel alone. You might feel lonely, but make no mistake, you're never alone. Just as the Holy Spirit was with Jesus in the water, the Holy Spirit was with Jesus in the wilderness. And so I want to say this to you. If you're going through a wilderness time, know that God is with you. He's with you. And you're never alone. The Psalms remind us of this in Psalm 27, verse 1. Here's what the NLT says. The Lord is my light, and he's my salvation. So why should I be afraid? We need to underline that in our Bibles. Why should we be afraid? And he goes on, the Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? What happens when we get into a wilderness? We start to tremble. We start to get afraid because we wrongly think that God has abandoned us in the wilderness, that he's left us all alone. And this couldn't be further from the truth because the promise of the Father for your life is that you would never be alone. When Jesus died on that cross and was raised from the grave, he went and showed himself to his disciples and taught and did many wondrous works. And then he ascended into the heavens. And before he ascended, before he left the earth, he said this, it's good for me to go because if I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit to come and be with you. I can't send you a comforter. I can't send you an advocate. I can't send you an ever-present help unless I go. It's always been the heartbeat of God for you to have his Holy Spirit. Last week we prayed for that, and many of you got to experience that for the first time. You got to experience that in addition to what we would call your salvation experience. And it's beautiful how the Lord fills us with his Spirit. He comes in us for our sake, but he lives on us for the sake of others. He lives in us for our sake. He comes on us for the sake of the world. So the obvious question becomes this. What are we supposed to do in the wilderness? What are we supposed to do when we find ourselves in a wilderness season, a place, or a time? Well, I believe that Exodus chapter 7, verse 16 holds the key. 
And I love that we were singing about Egypt tonight because I believe that, that God has ordained this moment for you to find freedom and to find how to worship in your wilderness. Here's what it says. God telling Moses, then announced to him, Pharaoh, that the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to tell you, let my people go so that they can worship me in the wilderness. Now, those of you that grew up with the Disney cartoon like I did, or the, the DreamWorks cartoon, excuse me for those of you that are going to fact check me after the message. <laughs> you remember the song, Let My People Go. You guys remember it, right? And for those of you that grew up with the Charlton Heston version of the greatest story ever told, right? The Ten Commandments. You remember. But we don't often focus on the last part of that verse. Go ahead and put it back up there, Kimberly. And you can leave it up there. Announce to Pharaoh... Let my people go. And we've heard that before. But let my people go to do what? To wander? To do your own thing? No. To worship the Lord. And where? In the wilderness. Well, God, I thought you brought me out of Egypt. You took me by the hand. You marched me out into freedom. And to your promised land. Ah, 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 not so fast. There's a step that we often want to shortcut and get over called the wilderness. A place, a time, and a season of great testing, preparation, molding, and loneliness. So that we can be conformed to the image of the one who has called us. To worship in the wilderness. What do we do when we find ourselves in a wilderness season. We worship. What do we do when we find ourselves with our backs against the wall? Some of you have been there this year. Some of you there are right now. You're right there. You worship. What do we do when we don't have the answer that we need? We're struggling. We don't know what to do. We worship. There's power when we decide to worship in, and I would say through, our wilderness tonight. Interestingly enough, the message that God gives Moses to Pharaoh to let his people go is the message of worship. It's a message that Pharaoh heard as a pagan unbeliever. He didn't spell it all out for him. He didn't, he didn't say, well, here's, we want to teach you about the God that we're going to worship. No, he said, I want you to let my people go so that they can worship me. Their worship was a witness to what God wanted to do in Pharaoh's life, and amongst the Egyptians. And I would say to us that our worship is our witness. Your worship is your witness. Your worship is your witness. Come on, Kimberly, follow me. Your worship is your witness. There it is. Your worship tells the world what you believe about God. It tells the world what you believe about the world, about what it means to be here and why. <laughs> your worship is your witness. Friends, worship is powerful. And it's bigger than just the songs we sing on Sunday night or in our car. Come on, worship is a lifestyle. It's all-encompassing. It's all-inclusive of every thought and every prayer and every song and every act of obedience and every act of generosity and faithfulness that we bring before God. 
And I would say that not only is worship your witness, but worship tells your story. It's your testimony about what God has done and is doing in your life. And the Bible tells us that we as a people, we as the church, we as the redeemed of God, overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, by our worship, by our worship. You see, where Pharaoh's worship was counterfeit and anti-God, Israel's worship was to be a witness to the true and living God. And where the world's worship is counterfeit and anti-Christ, the church's worship should be a light and a witness to who our Messiah, King Jesus, really is. Can I get an amen? And so Moses delivers the message, and we know that God's people are set free, free to learn how to worship the Lord in the wilderness. But this takes some time. Why? Because God is setting them apart. He's teaching them to come out of Egypt. And just because you come out of Egypt doesn't mean that Egypt has been taken out of you. There you go. Your culture, your idolatry, your closet sins, the things that you hide that you think nobody sees, come on. God sees it all and he wants it all. Why? Because he doesn't want you to carry that anymore. Because he doesn't want you to smell like, look like, or taste like Egypt. Because he has an identity and a calling for your life as the redeemed. Come on. As the beloved as his chosen, as the ransomed of God. Flash forward a few hundred years, and the people of God have lost their way. And they're getting caught up in worshiping other idols again. And they've forgotten their first love. And they've started to fight amongst themselves. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It should. It should because they are us and we are them. You see, the Bible is ultimately not just a story about them. It's a story about us. And what God did with Israel, he wants to do with you. He wants to bring you out. He wants to set you apart. He wants to mark your life, not by the idolatry and pagan worship of Egypt, but come on, by the worship of the true and risen King Jesus. He wants your life to carry the presence of Jesus. He wants your life to carry the DNA of heaven. He wants you to understand your citizenship is no longer of this world. Your allegiances are not first and foremost to a government and a political party. Your allegiance is now to a king and a kingdom. A kingdom that is here and a kingdom that is still coming. That is now and not yet. And as we step into that tension, we do so as those that God has delivered. But so that we can now be tested and molded and shaped into becoming more and more like his son, Jesus. That's why the story is ultimately not just about them, but about us. And why our worship has to be our witness. It has to be. So what happens when it's not? Or when we, like Israel, lose our way? Or we get caught up in other things? God has to send us back into a wilderness again. And we see it just a few hundred years later when Israel is taken captive by Babylon. They're exiled into a place called Babylon. Now, for those of you that don't know where or what Babylon is, let me put on my professor's hat and give you a little bit of a school lesson. Are you okay with that? I'm going to do it anyways. Babylon was the capital city of the ancient empire of Babylon, stemming from Mesopotamia in the 19th century. B.C., well into the mid-7th century A.D., 
when it was taken over eventually through Muslim conquest. For thousands of years, Babylon was the epicenter of culture and music and entertainment. Mm, that sounds kind of familiar. It was the epicenter of power and wealth and military might. Hmm, that sounds kind of familiar. Eventually, it was ruled by varying military-controlled dynasties and families and tribes, including the Assyrians and the Persians and, yes, even the Greeks. In present day, Babylon, or the city of Babylon, can be found south of Baghdad in Iraq. The last recorded habitation of the city dates from the 10th century where it was referred to as the small village of Babel. Where have we heard that word before? Yes, Genesis 11, for those of you that know your scripture. It was the place where all the people came together and spoke one language and attempted to build a great city and tower into the heavens. So what's so significant, both physically and spiritually speaking, about Babylon? Well, Babylon is significant, both physically and spiritually speaking, because it represents a type of wilderness, a type of wilderness that God will use to remind the people of God of who they really are. He'll use it to remind us of who we are and whose we are. Are you tracking with me tonight? Church, we are the chosen and redeemed people of God, and we have been grafted into spiritual Israel as the church, we do not replace spiritual Israel, but we join them in what God has chosen and pre-appointed them for, just as we ourselves have been chosen and pre-appointed by God to witness and to bear witness to his power and his ability to save and deliver. We need to walk in this calling. We need to walk in who God has called us to be. And when we forget, guess what? God uses the wilderness to remind us. Some of you are in a wilderness season because you forgot who you are. Some of you are there because you never learned who you are in the first place. But I'm here to tell you some good news. The same God who brings you in is the same God who will bring you out. Because he who has called you is faithful. He who will begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Amen? amen and amen. But you can't get through your wilderness until you can learn how to worship in your wilderness. And this is where I believe the church is today. We're at a crossroads. We're at a place where we can either decide to stay in Babylon. We can stay tied up in the system of this world. We can be infatuated with multimedia and entertainment and celebrity and social media. And we can stay tied to that system. Or we can come out of our wilderness season. But what's going to be the difference maker is if we learn how to worship in it or not. Because God can't bring you out of it until he can bring you through it. And you won't find the breakthrough that you're looking for until you learn how to worship the God of the breakthrough. That's the first song we sang tonight. We believe that God is going to make a way. Amen? He's a God of breakthrough. He brings us through things. But he'll bring us through once we learn how to worship him in. Amen? Amen? You can't come through it until you learn how to worship the God that brings you through it. Amen? The God of the breakthrough. This was always the point of why God brought the people out of their bondage in Egypt. It wasn't so they could wander aimlessly through the desert. It was so that they could learn how to worship him on his holy mountain. Even before Jesus would commission the disciples in Matthew 28 to go out into all the world, he said, I want you to come and meet me in Galilee first. And what does the scripture tell us? It says that when they went to the hill or the mountain in Galilee, they worshiped. 
Before there is a commission to go, there is a commission to worship. There is a commission to understand who you are and whose you are because you've been marked by the almighty presence of God because you know who Jesus is in your life and you're not just following him according to your own human strength. Come on, we don't walk according to the flesh. We walk according to the power of the spirit and the spirit calls us to worship, to learn how to worship until we can get that breakthrough. Amen? Amen. Worship and prayer, I believe, have always been precursors to a move of God. And I believe that right now, as the church, we are at that place where we are going to see a move of God like never before. That's why I believe God has stirred us to get ready to buy oil for our lamps because our king is coming soon. And before he comes, we're going to see a revival like I believe we haven't seen in our lifetime. Some of you that grew up in the 60s and 70s remember the Jesus People Movement. You remember after the chaos that was 1964 through 1968, the, the riots in the street, the racial tension, the divide politically. Hmm, does that sound familiar, anybody? But what came right after that? One of the greatest awakenings we've ever seen called the Jesus People Movement, where hippies and druggies and the lost and the outcasts and the marginalized and the broken began to follow Jesus. God began to grab a hold of their heart. And I believe that it's this time and this hour for us as the church to be strong and courageous, to step out of the comfort of our walls, to step out of the comfort of our communities and to go and seek and save the lost. Jesus didn't come for the sick. I'm sorry, Jesus didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sick. And if people are going to hear what you have to say, they might need to get healed first. They might need to get healed first. They might need to experience a touch of God. We, we spend so much time trying to appeal to people intellectually, and I'm not against that. I went to college because I believe in the power of education. I believe in the power of information. But how many of you guys know that more information doesn't lead to transformation? The power of God leads to transformation. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And that's why Paul says, I won't be ashamed of it. Because he tried all the other things. He tried all the other ways and methods and means and programs and steps. And when push came to shove, only the power of God can change somebody's heart. Only the power of God can get somebody who cannot walk to stand up and walk again. Only the power of God can restore a broken family and a broken relationship and pull people back from the brink of divorce. Only the power of God can do it. And I'm sick and tired of trying to, to lean on human structures and ways and means and crutches that have no power in them. We like to put on a song and dance and a big show for folks to convince them to come and see that the Lord is good. And then when they come and see, they're like, oh, this is cool, but I already belong to a social club. I wonder if we would be hungry enough to go after the presence of God, to be willing enough to step out in faith and to risk it all for Jesus, to tell somebody about God, to pray for somebody. I believe that that time is now, and I believe that we are that people. And I'm inviting you to be a part of that. This is your official summons to the army. This is your official papers. <laughs> I don't think we draft people anymore, but they used to get like a draft paper, right? When they've been enlisted in the army. Uh, that was definitely the case in the 70s with the Vietnam War. We know that. But I believe that God is wanting to enlist people into his army, but he can't do that if you're still broken, if you're still wounded yourself, if you're still laying down on the battlefield of life, with a big gaping, gashing wound, bleeding and hemorrhaging all over the place. And for too long, that's been the church. Oh, sure, we dress up real nice, don't we? 
We put it all together. We put on a happy face. How you doing, brother? I'm blessed, not stressed. And deep down, we're struggling. Too blessed to be stressed. Right? We give people these cliches. And deep down, we're falling apart. We're crying and we're alone and we're depressed and we're struggling and we're burnt out and we're addicted and we're struggling and we don't want anybody to know. And so we allow the shame to keep us bondage, to keep us in Egypt when God wants to bring us out. And I really believe that more than ever. That's why we're doing family Sundays, guys. Because I believe God wants to tear down those walls that separate us from just going about our business as usual. We can't do business as usual. We've tried it. We're not great at it. So we're going to do this instead. We're going to follow after the Lord. We're going to step out of our comfort and our convenience. And sure, it might be a little awkward and it might feel a little weird. And people may not even want to be a part of that. That's okay. But I know what the Lord has called us to do. He's called us to arise and shine. For our light, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Amen? Amen. Do we believe that tonight? For many of us, that's right where the Lord has had us, and that's right where he's been trying to lead us, to a place where we finally recognize our great need for God, where we finally recognize that we can't do this thing called life alone. And I believe that's exactly what the wilderness does. It teaches us to more fully rely on God. It teaches us to thirst for living water, for living water. How many of you are tired of what the world has offered you? How many of you are tired of playing games? How many of you are tired of powerless Christianity? I'm tired of it, and I've been following Jesus for close to 35 years now. I'm 39 years old. I know. I don't look it. But I've been following Jesus for a long time, for longer than some of you have been alive. And I got to tell you, I'm worn out from trying to do Christianity without Christ, without the spirit of Jesus at work, without his power made manifest in our life. And I believe the world needs an encounter with God. I believe that you owe it to your friends and your neighbors. Come on, to give them an encounter with the living God. Not just to say, hey, check us out. We're really cool. We've got it all together. We sing all these great songs and we won't, we won't bother you. We won't even turn around and make you feel uncomfortable. But come and, and see what we're all about. And yay, hear a great sermon about Jesus. Yay. Now, let me take a step back. I realize, and for those of you watching online, I realize that that can come across a little denigrating. Here's the reality. We are excited about every church in this valley that lifts up the name of Jesus. And we're all not going to do it the same way because we're all not supposed to. We all have a calling and an expression that's from God that we're called to release here in Utah. I believe it. I think you do too. So I'm not here to denigrate anybody's methodology or philosophy of ministry by no means. Like Paul says, is Jesus being preached? Well, then let's get on board. Amen. But I'll tell you what, there is a line that's being drawn in the sand and I cannot cross it. I cannot go back to what was when I know that the Lord is calling us as a people to grab a hold of what is and what is to come. I believe the future is bright only because I believe Jesus is there, because his Holy Spirit is there. And I believe that healing and miracles and signs and wonders await us, church. Some of you have just never experienced it. So we're going to show you how to do that. 
and we're going to bring you into the shallow water where you can splash around like a little toddler and feel really good about the time you're having. And then we're going to call you in a little deeper. We're going to say, we know you like the ankle deep water, but guess what? There's more. So follow us into the knee deep. Well, I don't know if I'm ready for the knee deep, but okay, I guess I'll trust you. And for those of you that have been hanging out in the knee deep water, we want to invite you to come a little deeper up into the waist high. And I believe that that is what the Lord wants for us. And for some of you who've been waist high, he wants to take you all in. Come on, in over your head. I'm a California kid. I grew up surfing and body surfing at the beach. I know what it's like to be in over my head. I know what it's like for six foot waves to crash and topple over my head. For some of you, that's what God wants to do in the spirit. He wants to take you into deeper places. And deeper places doesn't mean that you're going to get all weird. Come on, we can be naturally supernatural. We don't have to be weird about it. We don't have to be goofy. We don't have to go crazy and go nuts. You can if you want to. But come on. We can still be in our right mind because God has given us the mind of Christ. Amen? Do we believe that? I hope you do. In closing, I want to offer you a word of hope. Because I know this has been a heavy message tonight. But I want to give you some hope about worshiping in and through your wilderness. Just listen to what God says here as we close. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, I love this verse. It says this, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. It's bubbling up. It's rushing out. Do you not perceive it? Can you not see it? Can you not taste it? Can you not hear it? I, the Lord, will make a way in the wilderness. And rivers will flow in the desert. To understand why I'm so excited about this is because this message was to a people that were in captivity in Babylon. They had spent a lifetime, generations, not in the promised land, not in Jerusalem, not in Zion, not in the city of God, not in the place flowing with milk and honey. They were in Babylon, a place outside of the city of God, a place that God didn't want them to remain forever. And now after Hundreds of years, they have come out. And God is encouraging his people and he's saying, listen, I want to do a new thing in the church. I want to do a new thing in America. I want to do a new thing in your nation. I want to raise up sons and daughters that know who they are and whose they are. I want to do a new thing. Can you not see it? Do you not have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? Do you have eyes to behold it? Do not perceive it. Do you not perceive what God is doing right now? Do you not have ears to hear and eyes to see what he's up to? Do you not thirst and hunger for more of him? I wonder if I'm talking to any thirsty people tonight. And I don't mean that in a relational way. <laughs> I wonder if I'm talking to anybody that's hungry for more of God. Some of you got that joke. Some of you didn't. That's okay. <laughs> But I believe that the Lord is doing a new thing. Come on, we can have fun in the house of God. We can laugh. It's okay. No one's going to know. <laughs> I believe that God wants to do a new thing, guys. That's why I'm so excited about it. I'm not genuinely and normally this excited about things. <laughs> I'm usually quite skeptical, if I can be honest. I'm usually even a little bit cynical, and God is just delivering me from that. He's delivering me from caring what you all think about me. I love you. I want you to love me, but I'm not going to cry about it if you don't. 
Maybe a little bit. But then I'll get over it. Because Candace will make me a cookie. Here you go, honey. Everything's okay. Everybody loves you. It's fine. Enjoy this cookie. I believe God wants to do a new thing, and he's been doing a new thing in our lives. I believe worship is that way. Can we go to that, that last slide, Kimberly, the one right before it? I believe worship is the way in the wilderness. Just as it was for the people of God when he brought them out of Egypt, it is when he's bringing the people out of Babylon. And right now as the church, that's where we are. We're standing at that crossroads. We can remain in it or we can come out of it. And to come out of it doesn't mean that we turn our back on the lost or on our friends or neighbors that don't want to follow. By no means. What it means is that we no longer allow ourselves to become emotionally entangled with it. It means that we no longer play patty cake with God. It means we no longer have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Hello. Talking to somebody here tonight. It means that we're no longer content to play games. That we got to go all in for Jesus. And that's the invitation from the Spirit. He's inviting us to come in a little further, past the ankle deep, past the knee deep, past the waste waters, to go all in. I believe he's doing that new thing. And worship is the way through the wilderness. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at Courageous Church dot com.